to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> to episode 117 of the Grave Plot Podcast. <laughs> I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror, and I am so confused. <laughs> Apparently, we have a new theme song or something. <laughs> You know, in any relationship, you gotta you gotta keep things lively to keep the magic alive. And you gotta th- I gotta throw you curveballs like that every once in a while. Are you saying the magic is gone? The thrill is gone. The thrill is gone away. You guys are I'm getting thinking. serenaded. That's what I think of you. <laughs> um, we're back, guys. Indeed, we are. After two long, hard weeks. Yep. <laughs> What's new, Taylor? Uh, well, um, we're you know making progress on the Grave Plot Film Fest. Yeah, we got our first sponsor. We do without a cause wrestling. Yay! Without a cause, based out of Everett, Washington. They just announced their ring announcer yesterday, and man, talk about sexy! I just don't know about him. <laughs> I think uh, I think he's going to be amazing. It's yeah. me, guys. <laughs> Big shout out to the homie Max for uh, both, you know, both for sponsoring the Great Plot Film Fest and for inviting me into his little wrestling family. Yeah, Max has been pretty supportive almost from day one of the show, and it's very appreciated. And you know, it's it's uh, it's an honor when we can give a little back to his, uh, you know, projects. Yeah, Is that the word his ventures. Yeah, that's the one. That's that sounds better. <laughs> His little projects. <laughs> his little, you know, his little games. You know, the things he does to pass the time. <laughs> his little hobbies. Um, We're over a hundred submissions. Yeah. I I mean, when we got to like 70, 75, I thought that was a lot. Like, I was not expecting this many. <laughs> but now, yeah, we're up over a hundred. Yeah. I need to start looking at some of them. Probably, yeah. We, uh, we got some judges. I don't think we're ready to officially announce them yet, but we, we do have some in the works. Yep. Yeah, and I mean... We're going to start our uh, start our crowdfunding campaign here in the next couple of days. Right. Hope, hopefully on September 1st is the plan. Yeah. I mean, that's why... I mean, anybody watching us live right now, you can see this horror wall that's been pieced together. That's just so hot. We had some interesting backdrop for our Indiegogo video. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully that drops soon. Yeah, you can actually, you can go to the site now, uh, and sign up for updates. It's at, uh, igg.me slash at slash gpff. That's Great Plot Film Fest. It's a lot less confusing if you see it written down. Yeah, it's igg <laughs> as an in indiegogo dot me slash at slash gpff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Um, Starting to, yeah, like, I mean, along with the Indiegogo, we're just kind of getting the wheels moving on actually getting the festival itself together. I don't know if we talked about, like, how we're, how we're judging this thing, um, but we've got basically two tiers of judging. We've got a selection committee, which we're on. Yeah, it's us, uh, the Horror Addicts, mm-hmm. and Rob Bukta, who is also known as Krusty J. Bumbles, the Killer Clown. Right. And then, uh, then we'll actually have a judges panel too. Um, they got the easy job, right? They they only have to watch the ones that we tell them to watch. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get things all nice and narrowed down for them. Um, 
and then they just watch whatever we pick, and then they'll decide the fate. Yep. And I think we're working on what five categories. Yes. And where those aren't carved in stone yet, so won't drop them here, but at least not yet. But once we're ready, yeah. Well, you'll know. You'll know. They'll all know. Uh, let's see. So maybe before we go any further into the show, we talk about some Patreon patrons. Let's do. We've got some very so do. <laughs> we've got some very very lovely people that like to help us out every month financially because we broke ass hoes. Help me, I'm poor. <laughs> Give me money, please. <laughs> money, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I uh, lost my train of thought. People. Patreon. Patreon patrons. Uh, Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> I'm a little drunk. <laughs> uh, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, Max Zaleski, and the Horror Addicts. No, I already said the Horror Addicts. <laughs> And Aaron Meyer. I'm not doing well. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. <laughs> you do this by yourself. Uh, but no, we're very happy to have them part of our grave plot family. Uh, it does help us out immensely. Uh, I mean, just small amounts for the most part uh, is what they give us, but it all adds up and it really helps us financially keep the show running. Uh, Taylor, yeah. If anyone else wants to help us out. Where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Get perks for as little as $1, including monthly video reviews. Go ahead. Do your thing. Oh, I didn't think of one. And for $100, I'll do something stupid. <laughs> something grossly sexual. The offer still stands. If someone pledges $100 a month, I will get a fat unicorn tattooed on my ass. <laughs> that offer does still stand. I like the one where you got four letters tattooed on your dick. I did not like that one. <laughs> that was classic. That was classic Tony. <laughs> Vintage Tony. I like how you just happened to pick the number of letters that are in your name. <laughs> Honestly, didn't even think of that. I was just thinking how a lot of people who don't have four four letter names, people would have more. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh, here comes trouble. <clears throat> She's gonna be really upset that we just started the show. Hey Zaffer. Hey guy. Hi wife. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Again. You were on camera. People saw you. It's too late. You already saw it. Everyone saw you. What? It's a long story. We don't have time. We can't get into it now. We're live. <laughs> Haunted Sponge. That's a cool name. That is a cool name. <laughs> I got to wave. Wave at them. <laughs> There she goes. Everybody saw her. <laughs> I'm going to wave at Z- uh, Zaffer. You guys are lucky you're watching this live because none of this is making it into the show. <laughs> Wait, yeah, it is. You're leaving all this in. Yeah, why not? Because this is garbage. This is trash. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> anyway, um, so what's new with, th- with you, Taylor? Uh, other than being the ring announcer for Without a Cause, not much. Neat. Yeah. Just living the dream. You know it. You don't have any dreams. Your life is pathetic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you too. <laughs> um, yeah, not a lot going on with me. 
I know I talked last episode about my front lawn being flooded out. Um, yeah, I expected to get here and have see like the whole thing being dug up, but yeah, no, that was my intention, and it has been for about a week now. Uh, but thank you to Canada and your forest fires for smoking us out for what a week and a half. It feels really bad, like complaining about the smoke when it's like Canada and California are like, yeah, well, we're on fire. I know, but we have our fires here too. But and you know, it's I don't like complaining about it because it's not fair. Because I know they didn't ask for it, but um, it just sucks because like, <laughs> yeah, they weren't like let's set some huge fires and smoke out that fucking bitch Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> but it, at one point we had it coming from all sides. Like it, we had uh, fires coming from Canada, coming up from Oregon uh, and Northern California, and then coming from the east and eastern Washington. Yeah. We were getting fucked from all angles, except from the ocean. We just take to the sea. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that, that blew. I mean, it li- literally just cleared out today. Yeah. I'm hoping it rains tonight so it will clear out a little more. Yeah. But I mean, like the news was saying that the air quality is hazardous, like worse than Beijing. Yeah, I saw the day that it was the worst, it was being downtown was the equivalent of smoking eight and a half cigarettes. That's insane. Yeah. And we both work downtown, so yep. yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's why my yard isn't dug up, because I didn't want to have black lung from <laughs> trying to fix my house. Fair enough. I tried to see if my uh, insurance, like my homeowner's insurance would cover it. Of course no, not. No such luck. It sounds like if it was like in the house and it was damaging the structure, it might be a different story. But the fact that it's in the yard, no. Yeah. I think most insurance plans have like a like an addition that you can add to it that would like cover other things like that. But of course, we didn't do that because we're poor. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess that's about all for me. Nothing else really new going on. Cool. Yeah. I do want to say one last word about Without a Cause. Uh, our first show is October 21st at the Normana Lodge in Everett. So if you're in the area, please come. So do. <laughs> so do. All right. Um, well, we've been bullshitting long enough. You want to just get started? Let's do some horror business. All right, starting out with some real-world horror. Beware the Momo, lads. Stick to the roads. Stay off of the Momo. (laughs) Uh, The Momo Challenge has recently surfaced on the internet. As these things do. Uh, And I feel like these internet challenges just get gradually dumber. Yeah. And more fucked up. Yeah. Um, so the challenge apparently started on Facebook where people were told to chat with a stranger, uh, from an unknown number on WhatsApp, which is where little kids find their, um, rapists. Diddlers. (laughs) Uh, I never got into the, uh, the WhatsApp. Me neither. I don't, yeah, it's dumb. I'm too. Too old for WhatsApp. It holds no interest to me. It's one of those things that, like, I go on the internet and people, there's all these people in comment sections that are like, people still use SMS? Why not just use WhatsApp? And I'm like, because I don't know anyone that uses WhatsApp. Everyone I know has a phone with a phone number that I can text. Yeah. 
And you know, you have to pay for data. You don't have to pay for text. Yeah. I don't understand why this is an argument. Just dumb people. Um, See what happens when you use WhatsApp? You get Momo'd. So Momo then replies with violent images and threatens the player if they refuse to follow their orders. Are you ready to see what Momo looks like? <laughs> yeah, why not? That's awful. I hate that. It looks like Shelley Duvall. <laughs> I'll post a link in the show notes. Harsh. You know, she's been having a lot of trouble lately, Taylor. Not her now. Like her in, in The Shining. Um, yeah, so people have claimed that interactions with Momo included being sent violent images uh, in the middle of the night, and an unknown person threatening to uh, see the unknown person threatening to appear while they are sleeping and curse them. Do people so, believe this shit. It's yeah, people are dumb. <laughs> uh, there were claims of some players. Some players even received terrifying phone calls, where they all they could hear were screams and other creepy noises. That would be unsettling. Yes, like even if you know it's bullshit, that would be. Not something you want to wake up to in the middle of the night. Agreed. <laughs> um, the viral game gained major attention after a 12-year-old girl was found dead in her backyard near Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, after allegedly having an online conversation with Momo. So, there's that. Yeah, apparently, this is it's similar to the Blue Whale Challenge that was a thing like a couple years ago, I think. I don't know. Where they, they'll give you challenges... And it's like, you know, they start out completely innocuous and then they just get higher and higher. And then it's like, you know, go cut yourself. And then, you know, eventually it turns into, hey, go hang yourself. And people are just like, okay. Apparently, like, I don't want to upset Momo. (laughs) God, people are idiots. Like, just don't do this. Like, (laughs) it's fucking stupid. It's disappointing that it's mainly, that appears to be mainly children. Oh, of course. They target the, you know, the impressionable people. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, if you see an adult doing something like this, it's like, oh, you're a fucking idiot. Child doesn't know any different. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. How fucked up do you have to be to tell a child to go kill themselves? Just, yeah. It's fucking sadistic. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I feel like the law in most countries is still catching up with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, the internet's still new. And online bullying and, you know, and things of this nature, I don't think there's a lot that's set in stone as far as, you know, legal precedents. Yeah. It's like, you know, encouraging somebody to kill themselves online. Just recently, I think the first thing I, first story I heard Somebody actually being convicted for motivating someone to kill themselves online. Yeah, that girl was talking to her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the first time I'd ever heard of that. Yeah. And you know that's going to come up in future court cases. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a precedent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that you know, that's how the legal system works, obviously. It's like, it's it's not set, like I said, it's not set in stone. Uh, just because a ruling was ruled one way doesn't mean every ruling from there on in is going to be ruled the same way. Yeah. But it does, like you said, set that precedent. But anyway, um, yeah, just uh, don't fuck with that Momo. Yeah, stay away from the Momo. And I mean, if you get, if you, 
you're on WhatsApp or whatever stupid bullshit kids are using these days and you get these kind of messages, then call the police. Yeah, for sure. And just don't use WhatsApp. It's, yeah, it's just stupid. Just text. <laughs> just text or, you know, maybe use Facebook Messenger. I feel like that's a little better regulated. Probably. I don't know for Wait, sure. Wait, doesn't Facebook own WhatsApp? Does it? I think it does. I don't know. I think it does. Well, whatever. Don't use WhatsApp. <laughs> just don't talk to strangers. Let's go back to that. Yeah. I think that's like <laughs> like a golden rule for childhood. Just don't talk to people you don't know. There you go. All right, so this is probably the biggest story in horror right now, although there's not a lot of details to go on. Good. Um, according to bloodydisgusting.com, who had this exclusive story, uh, <laughs> there are talks of reviving the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Wait, so you're sure nobody else reported on this? I mean, they have, but they've all quoted back to Bloody Disgusting. So bloody, you'd say Bloody Disgusting was the exclusive person revealing this. Yes. They had an exclusive. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. Go uh, on. So yeah, there's talk of reviving the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, not only with new films, but also with a TV show. Why it's both, I don't know. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah, fuck it. Um, and according to Work Bloody... the Purge, maybe. <laughs> it might, yeah, we'll see. According to Bloody Disgusting, and specifically uh, the the reporter Brad Miska, Legendary Entertainment is, quote, in the mix to develop not only a television series based on the slasher masterpiece, but also more films. Uh, Legendary, of course, is the studio behind Trick or Treat, uh, the upcoming Kong King of Monsters, uh, and I think they're also doing Godzilla vs. Kong. Yep. Yep. And others. And others. Uh, according to Miska, with or without Legendary, a series and more films are inevitable. So apparently there, there's also other studios who are circling this. But Legendary appears to be in the lead. Uh, Legendary is also nearing a completion on a renewal of their contract with Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, of course, owns New Line. So Miska has speculated that we could see a Freddy versus Jason versus Leatherface. Here's my counter speculation. No. That'll never happen. It took 10 years to make Freddy vs. Jason mm -hmm. and something like 80 different scripts. Yeah. And at that time, they didn't have Jason's rights locked up in court. Yeah. 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 That whole thing is just a nightmare. Yeah. Like the new Friday the 13th or the, I guess it's not new at this point, but the Friday the 13th game can't so much as like add a bush into the game at this point. Mm -hmm. That's sad. I wish that was like a separate entity. Yeah. So it just kind of operated on, under its own steam. <sighs> so they're about to release Uber Jason. Yeah. And the Grendel. That was the Grendel. That was the ship in Jason X. Oh. Um. So I don't, I don't know how, how a Texas Chainsaw Massacre TV series would work. Me neither. Like it's going to have to be premium cable. I mean, well, 
I guess AMC gets away with a lot on The Walking Dead. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, the original Texas Chainsaw wasn't even gory. That's true. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, but I, I really think it's dumb. I mean, I don't see a purpose in a TV show when you've already got a film series going. I don't think the... Yeah, doing both seems like such an odd choice. Yeah, and I, I don't see how the uh the the plot lends itself to to a serial yeah it doesn't make any sense i think i don't know i just think it's dumb making these film franchises into tv shows most of the time i agree like i mean we saw freddy's nightmares and how well that worked (laughs) i'm kind of stoked for the child's play tv show though yeah (laughs) I mean, whatevs. I mean, the one thing the Miska doesn't mention is that uh, all three franchises were previously um, <laughs> were previously under Platinum Dunes, who remade all of them. Right, and there was never any discussion of crossover. Mm-hmm. I think wasn't Texas Chainsaw under wasn't that New Line or was that Legendary at the time? I was, uh, I think it was New Line. I mean, that sounds right in my head, but I don't know for sure. And so, I mean, Freddy versus Jason was New Line. Yeah. Um, but that's just stupid. I mean, there's a lot of dumb ideas about crossovers, and we're kind of off subject now, but um, it's like, you know, people say, oh, Freddy versus Jason versus Michael. It's like, that's stupid. Because Michael is just a guy. No, he's not. Huh? No, he's not. Yeah, he is. He's a shape. He's a just a guy. I mean, how far are we going into the canon here? If you if we go into part six, then he's actually many guys. He's he's just a he's guy. a whole cult. He's just one guy. <laughs> he's just Michael Myers. Um and Oh yeah, I forgot all the sequels don't exist anymore. Right. <laughs> um but I mean, uh, Freddie and Jason are both supernatural. Michael Myers is not. Neither is Leatherface. Yeah, exactly. My point. It's just stupid. It's like there's no competition. It's like, oh, we'll kill that guy and then we'll fight amongst ourselves again. Yeah. And it should be Freddie versus Jason too. Which I'd be okay with. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, Freddie versus Jason versus Vash. Just give us the movie. I mean, Bruce has said he's not. He's done doing Ash. So. I know. Fuck him. <laughs> Do Freddy versus Jason versus Mia. Remember right. when Pinhead was supposed to be a thing? Yeah, that was dumb too. Yeah. Because, th- I mean, then you're getting into, th- like, again, you're you're adding somebody who's a tier above the other people. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> so, I don't know. We'll see what happens with this. Um, I, I feel mean, like Legendary is a good studio. They put out some quality shit. Yeah, but, you know, Texas Chainsaw 3D was meh. And I haven't seen Leatherface, but apparently it wasn't any good. That's what I've heard. So it's like, what are you doing? Seth Sherwood's was a super nice guy, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it was necessarily his script that was a problem. It may have been everything else. The Frenchie directors. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, Seth Sherwood, uh, we didn't 
formally meet him. Or you were on a panel. I was on a panel with him. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, he seems like a nice guy. And I don't fault him for the movie. I mean, especially because I haven't seen it, but just apparently it was not good. Yeah. Anyway, um, just leave it alone. That's what I'm saying. Just don't. Don't do it. <laughs> Relax. Don't do it. All right, Mr. Misfit himself, Glenn Danzig, is uh, gearing up to start making some feature films based on his comics. Um, let's see. He signed a feature film agreement with Cleopatra Entertainment, the division of Los Angeles independent record label, record label Cleopatra Records. There we go. Um, I don't think I've heard of either of them. Have you? Uh, Cleopatra is the company that's distributing Death House. Is it? Yeah. Well, how about that? Uh, Danzig's going to pen, direct, and compose the music for the feature film, which is going to be structured as an anthology splitting its running time between three individual characters and storylines based on Danzig's own popular verotique. Verotic. Verotic. It's a combination of violent and erotic. That's stupid. Comic book characters. Verotic is Danzig's long-running brand of mature horror comics, and related material. The comics featured most deadly femme fatales, uh, or mostly dead femme fatales, have been in print since 1994. Have you read any? Nope. I've never even heard of it. Me neither. Neat. I bet my cousin does. Oh, probably. I think he knows when Danzig wakes up in He's the morning. He's a big Danzig mark. Yeah. <laughs> even though Danzig's a huge brick. <laughs> Um, did you watch the episode of the core with him with Danzig? Yeah. No, almost like you could feel Mickey Keating just being disappointed. <laughs> uh, the verotic title grub girl was developed into a pornographic movie in 2006. Oh, so this has already been adapted <laughs> starring Brittany sky and Ava Angelina. All right. Uh, it was directed by Craven Moorhead. He gets his real name? I hope so. <laughs> it's like, if your name is Craven Moorhead, what else, what other industry are you going to get yeah, into? Yeah, you're pretty much locked in. <laughs> it's like naming your daughter Ginger. You know she's going to be a stripper. <laughs> um... Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Principal photography for the anthology film is going to begin in fall of this year. We'll see. <laughs> I feel like this might be one of those stories where it's like this is the last we hear of it. I don't like knowing what I know of Glenn Danzig and the very little I know of this comic, but I have a hard time believing this is going to get past the MPAA. I mean, if they're making porn movies out of it, exactly. I'm say no. But I mean, I feel like the MPAA, uh, for you know, for all they may try to avoid it, they're becoming less and less relevant. Yay! Yeah, because I mean, more and more independent films, you know, <clears throat> they can't afford to 
you know, go through, or the, you know, they're not getting the the appreciation from major studios, who are the ones that are most interested in ratings. So when they go through independent studios, people that don't really give a shit because you're not your movie's not going into theaters anyway. Yep, movies just aren't getting official ratings. So the MPAA, unless it's like a big summer blockbuster, they just kind of are irrelevant now. Yeah, pretty much. So fuck them, and they're corrupt as fuck. So oh, they definitely are. Uh, anyway, so, so yeah, this will probably be straight to VOD. Oh yeah, if you can even find it there, it'll probably go like straight to DVD and be held exclusively in exclusively in porn shops. <laughs> cool, cool birthday present for Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> So the South Korean film Train to, Bus- Train to Busan is getting a sequel. Uh, this is one we did on the show a while back. We both liked it, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it's a, uh, a zombie film. <clears throat> the sequel is apparently under the working title Bando, which means peninsula in Korean. Uh, director Yon Sang-ho is in the process of writing the script and has an aim to start shooting next year. Is that the same guy that did... Uh... The first one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he said he does not want to call it Train to Busan 2 because this is an extension of Train to Busan after the virus has spread throughout Korea, but the characters are not the same. It shares the same worldview and is a zombie action film that deals with the aftermath on the peninsula of what happened in Train to Busan. Okay. Uh, Train to Busan did very well in the box office. It was the top grossing hit of 2016 in South Korea making $83 million, which is <laughs> funny that that's its top grossing hit. That's, that's peanuts here. Yeah. Uh, but it was only made for $8.5 according to uh, in- investor distributor Next Entertainment World, who is also apparently talking to Jan about the sequel. Uh, he uh, Jan says, I'm still writing the script, but the scale is rather large since there will be action with something to it. So in other words, he wants more money. Right. <laughs> Fuck you, pay me. Uh, there was also a kind of companion piece that was animated called Soul Station. Did you ever see that? No. Yeah, me neither. I meant to, and it just kind of escaped me. We're really good at this. Yeah. <laughs> Did I mention we're consummate professionals? Uh, but Jan says that he has uh, no plans to make that into a live action adaptation, saying, I'm concentrating on this one film right now. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think. I mean, this kind of like um, like Night of the Living Dead. I was gonna say it's kind of Romero-ish, yeah. Yeah. Whereas... Same same universe, but different area, different cast of characters. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a direct sequel, but it's a like like he said, an extension. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, going into Train to Busan, it sounded ridiculous, like a zombie outbreak on a train. On the surface, that sounds dumb. Yeah. But it worked really well. Yeah. Um, it, was actually, it was a Patreon pick, too. It wasn't even, like, I don't know if either of us would have ever selected it. That's right. Who picked that? Uh, Kevin Trent. Right. Um, but uh, where was I going with that? Uh, it was good. 
Uh, oh, right. So, yeah, it was. Um, it didn't sound like a good idea, but it actually worked really well. Um, and I think that's what kind of gave it its flavor is that it was so um, different. I mean, because, you know, when have you seen a zombie movie that took place on a train? And, the you know, done in that fashion. So it's like if they take it off the train and just put it out into the world, then it's just kind of a, just another zombie movie. That's true. So I don't, I don't want to see that, um, especially because it's kind of a horde-type situation, like uh, um, uh, World War Z. Yeah. I don't want to see that either. So I don't know. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic about this. But I I don't want to see it just turn into a, just another zombie movie. That's fair. Yeah, I understand that. But we'll see. I would like to see an actual World War Z adaptation. Yeah, you know, like one that actually actually well, had, shares anything with the book besides right. the title that Brad Pitt didn't even look at. Anyway, uh, Bando coming soon. It's probably not going to be called Bando. Could be called Bando. So the adorable Canadian Jerry Baruchel is going to be uh, writing a new movie. Uh, it's based on the graphic novel by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Uh, it's going to be called Random Acts of Violence. Uh, Random Acts of Violence follows the story of comic book creator Todd Walkley, um, who's going to be played by Jesse Williams. Isn't that guy, the guy from um, Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could talk her into watching it. <laughs> just based on that premise. <laughs> um, That's all. Just, just tell her that. <laughs> Along with his girlfriend, <laughs> Kathy, played by Jordana Brewster, uh, who was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. Uh, his assistant, Aurora, played by... This is too many people. Uh, assistant Aurora and his best friend in hard-caliber hard comics. Oh, I see. Uh, best friend in hard-caliber comics owner, Ezra, who's going to be played by Baruchel, uh, as they go on a road trip. On the way from Toronto... <laughs> Canadians. Of course. <laughs> Uh, on their way from Toronto to New York for Comic-Con, bad things start to happen and people start getting killed in a fashion eerily similar to the kills portrayed in his Slasher Man comic. It becomes clear that a very avid fan is out there following them and hurting people and using Todd's comic as an inspiration. As the bodies pile up and Todd's friends and family become targets and victims themselves, Todd will be forced into taking responsibility for everything his ideas have wrought. It's a pretty original premise. It's not bad. I mean... There have been stories, or there have been movies and books before where somebody copycats an author. Yeah, an, an act of fiction, right. or an, a work of fiction. Yeah, and so naturally be, that <clears throat> that author almost becomes a primary um, suspect. Suspect, thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, okay. um, so, I mean... That premise is a little done. Yeah. I've seen that before. Uh, this sounds like it's kind of being changed up to where it's not like a 
like a novelist, it's a comic book artist mm-hmm. or creator, or whatever. Um, so it's kind of bringing it into, you know, kind of a 21st century geek culture, especially with the inclusion of uh, Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think it's maybe a little more accessible for millennials. I sure. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. Provided they make this a rated R movie. Yeah. Then I think it could be good. I mean, it's called Random Acts of Violence. I feel like you, <laughs> you kind of got to. Yeah. I mean, when you have a character that's based on a character called Slasher Man. Right. You kind of expect to see some some violence. Um, Baruchel, who expressed his desire to direct the movie adaptation of Random Acts of Violence a few years ago, co-wrote the screenplay for the horror feature alongside writing partner Jesse Shabbat and will also direct. It's currently filming in Toronto. So, they got that going on. Yep. Sounds cool. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize, but apparently Jay Baruchel is like a huge horror fan. I I knew that. Um, I don't remember why I knew that or what it had to do with anything. But yes, have, have you watched uh, Man Seeking Woman? Uh, a few episodes. There's there's a lot of horror influences on there. Yeah, yeah. I know it's it's just it's really weird and surreal. Yeah. Um. Eric Andre's weird in it. Eric Andre's weird in everything. That's true. Have you have you watched Disenchant Disenchantment? No, the Matt Groening one. Yeah. No, it, I have not. It looked kind of stupid, but my wife was watching it. It was actually pretty funny. But Eric Andre plays this little demon. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he's he's uh, the main character's personal demon who gets sent to her through I don't know some warlocks or witches or whatever. Um, but he kind of like inadvertently becomes like friends with her, even though he's like out to seek her destruction. <laughs> It's just, it's a weird, di- it's, it's a funny dynamic. Um, he's not like the off the wall, weird character he usually is, but it's still pretty funny. Hmm. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, no word on um, release. Yeah, or distribution or anything, but probably next year. Yeah. Seasons don't fear the reaper, nor do the so the video game vampire right it's probably not that like when you're feeling vampy and you just feel a little bit vampier <laughs> i hate you <laughs> no you don't uh, is getting a TV adaptation from Fox 21 Television Studios, which I don't know what that is. Some, some other branch of Fox? Fox 21 Television Studios. I think Fox... Oh, wait. What? I, I, I feel like I've heard of that. I don't really remember, though. Look what you've done. Uh, joining Fox 21 in the series ad- adaptation is Wonderland Sound and Vision... The production studio founded by uh, McGee. Oh, good. Uh, as well as DJ2 Entertainment, who is co-producing the upcoming live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Live-action Sonic the Hedgehog. You heard me right. My God. <laughs> what is this world coming to? Filmed with an actual hedgehog. <laughs> they just ball him up and roll him. <laughs> Spray paint him blue. <laughs> They're not doing that. Settle the fuck down, PETA. Uh, Wait, no, they are doing that. Stop, stop it. 
stop them before they start. Uh, Mick G, who has directed Charlie's Angels and The Babysitter, uh, will be directing and executive producing the new show. Uh, set in 1918 London, Vampire revolves around a morally righteous doctor who mysteriously turns into a vampire and is now torn between his solemn commitment to save lives and his insatiable urge to feed. With a deadly virus spreading that only he can cure, the doctor must decide who to kill in his tight-knit community to stay alive long enough to save everyone from certain death. Interesting. This game uh, launched back in June on all consoles. Have you played it? I have not. I've seen it on the shelf, and I would like to check it out. I just... Games are expensive. This is true. And I'm poor. That's true, too. Help me, I'm poor. <laughs> um... Again, this sounds like something I've seen before, but, you know, whatever. It's all right. There aren't any original ideas anymore. I've kind of come to accept that. It's true. Everything's derivative of something. Yeah. So, fuck it. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I can't really speak about whether or not it should be a TV series, because um, I haven't played the game, but I don't know. What it almost, think? like... It, it almost sounds like it would be better as a movie just because you can see where the ending is. I feel like with a TV show, like you have to kind of keep it open-ended. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they have, they've had shows like this before where like, I think there was one called, uh, was it forever night. The guy was a vampire, but he was also a cop. Oh, okay. Wasn't very good, but kind of the same premise, you know, he's got a, He's got these two worlds that he has to balance and just that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. It's an inner clash of good and evil. Right. Man, whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> I don't like that McG's involved. You don't like McG? Not really. <laughs> I don't I don't trust that he won't turn this into a joke. Because, <laughs> I mean, you've seen Charlie's Angels. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is. It's true. He directed one of the Terminator movies too. I'm pretty sure. Did he? Yeah, I think he was it. Did he do Genesis? No. Wait, maybe. Or did he do Terminator? No, that was Jonathan something. Salvation. Salvation, right? Which uh, actually, that wasn't the worst of them, I guess. But still, oh, that's right. He did the Babysitter. Oh God, he directed Stay Alive. What a garbage movie that is. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think he just has a hard time not making things that are over the top. Even yeah. when he should. Yeah. Whatever. What am I, some kind of critic? We'll see. Speaking of critics, should we move on to some movie reviews? That was terrible. No, it's not. That was good. <laughs> that was a good transition. All right, guys. So um, last episode, we said that we were going to be reviewing uh, Summer of 84 and Another Wolf Cop. But um, thanks to uh, director Stephen Biro helping us out with uh, a screener. We called an audible, and we're going to be talking about American Guinea Pig, The Song of Solomon, instead. So, 
Uh, Taylor, which one are you going to start with? Let's talk about that. Okay. Your mother asked me to come speak with you. I understand you're having difficulties after the passing of your father. No. We have a young woman possessed. She needs your help. All of the possessed need our help. I'm not putting my soul in jeopardy again. For this, you will. Hello, Father. Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Sometimes I dream of horses, but mostly just nightmares of college exams. All right, the so- uh, Song of Solomon uh, is part of the American Guinea Pig series, written and directed by Stephen Bureau. Um, and uh, now, do you know much about the American Guinea Pig series? Not a whole lot. No, I know that it is a spinoff or a readaptation of, um, of of the original Guinea Pig series, which was a Japanese film series back in the eighties. Yeah, apparently they're banned. Right. And so Bureau, yeah, I think he bought the rights, and it's a it's a continuation mm-hmm. of the I series. I think he made a remake of one of them. Did he? I think so. I think the first one was a remake. Okay, I'm not positive, but yeah, they're they're known for being just. I mean, you know, they're banned in Japan, so that tells you they're just gruesome and gory. And well, Japan blurs their porn, so I mean, it's not really surprising. That's true. What's up with that? That's why they watch manga. Because they can't see real vaginas. <laughs> but then they put tentacles in them, and it's just weird. Yeah, that that is weird. Um, this is apparently the first one that doesn't like connect to the rest of the series. Sure, yeah. So I read. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so Stephen Bureau of Unearthed Films. Like I said, he uh, sent us a screener, so thank you very much, Stephen. Um, and uh, yeah, so it stars... Uh, Friend of the show, former guest, Jessica Cameron, um, and uh, other people. There's names. <laughs> or... And others. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Sorry, everyone else. I'm so bad at this. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, we've got um, Scott Gabby, David, David E. McMahon, Gene Palabicki. Uh, who I believe is also a musician. Um, yep, he's a composer. Right. Uh, Maureen Pelamati, Jeff Shedden. I'm not going to read the whole cast, sorry. Um, but anyway, uh, the main star, the protagonist. <laughs> is there really a protagonist in this movie? Uh, I, you're talking about Mary? Yeah, she's definitely not the protagonist. Well, I mean, you know, Mary herself, maybe. That's true. But so the story bases around Mary, uh, who is um, played by Jessica, and she is... Oh, on a first name basis, huh? 
Well, you know, we're friends. I actually gave her uh, car advice like last week. <laughs> she like had this, she posted this thing on Facebook saying um, that she was having car trouble and she went to a mechanic and they, you know, they said, you know, anybody who's been to a mechanic knows they get gouged like all the fucking time. Sure. And oh, you need a new Johnson rod. Right. <laughs> so she basically said that like, oh, you know, I went to the mechanic and they said I need to fix all these things. Does anybody know anything about cars that can tell me what really needs to be fixed? So I responded to it and I said, hey, you know, I'm not a professional or anything, but if you want to hit me up, I might be able to give you some advice. So like a month later, she messages me. She's like, hey, uh, sorry for the late response, but I was just uh, wondering what you thought about my car. And so she she just kind of ran down all the things that the mechanic said was wrong with them and just kind of told her what she does and doesn't need to fix immediately. She's basically like, you know, you should fix all of these things if you can. Yeah. But if you're looking to save money. Here's, here's the, the most urgent. Yeah. Um, they're just like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a professional. I'm just a cheap guy who works on his own cars. So <laughs> um, anyway. But uh, yeah, so Mary, she's, I mean, you don't really know her story because the minute you jump into this movie, she's already possessed. Yep. Um, it's not like a lot of exorcism movies where you see like the progression. Mary is already full blown into possession. Um, and she, it starts off with, uh, her in her bedroom and her father pacing back and forth at the foot of her bed, holding a knife and just, you know, cursing her name basically saying, you know, I can't believe you would tell them these things. It's, uh, you know, tell them that I molested you and that we that were abusive to you. It's like I, we just we just paid for you to go to college. Um, you know, just and he um is just babbling really, like he's he's freaking out. And uh he starts saying the Lord's Prayer. And um he he kind of says, like, you know, this is what it's come to. I don't have really any other choice. And he, I think he, I can't remember if he drops to his knees or or what, but he starts slitting his own throat. Yeah. <laughs> and if that wasn't bad enough, he then reaches into his now open throat and pulls his tongue out and gives, him, gives himself a Russian necktie. So fucking weird. <laughs> it was awful. I mean, it was awesome, but it was awful. Um, so it's like pretty much from that point on, you really know kind of what you're getting into with this. Um Knowing what little I did about the guinea pig series itself, I know that they're fucking gross out. Yeah. So I was kind of expecting quite a bit from this. And I don't think it really held out much. Like there was, it kind of delivered. Oh, yeah. On, I would on say the so. Gross out. Um, so, I mean, I guess as far as significant plot points, there are. There's not many. There aren't many. Um, I mean, that's not to say that's without story. It's just the the plot points themselves aren't super significant, I guess. Right. But um, there is uh, a priest uh, running a parish. Looks like in a in a foreign country, like in a in a jungle surrounded country or something. Doesn't really say specifically where. I don't think. 
Um, but uh, he's visited by uh, ordinary from the church. Um, and he uh, he says, you know, we've got um, someone who needs your help. Uh, we've set up a, an assistant for you. Um, and, you know, we're, we're setting up your your transfer. Uh, and he's basically saying, you know, I've got my business here. Um, my parish is suffering. You know, people are sick and dying. And, you know, the, the, the parish itself is shrinking. They need my help here. And he's like, we need your help elsewhere. And he gives him this rosary, uh, which I didn't really understand because it never really comes up again. No, he didn't give that guy the rosary. He gave the bald guy the rosary. No, he gave two rosaries. Oh, he did? Yeah, he gave one. It was like uh, coffin rosaries. Oh, that's right. Used to, uh, they're used at the funerals of the saints. So this guy goes and he meets. He also gave him the Golden Bible. Right, yeah, the Golden Bible of Antioch, which is apparently, there's three of them, but one was missing. I don't know if that's going to come up in another movie. Or what? But that was never brought up again. So there was th- he. Uh, God, what was his name? Father. Uh, Father Blake. Yes. Father Blake. He says uh, to the, to the ordinary. The ordinary is basically like a like a bishop. Just for anybody not familiar. Um, uh, he says, "Oh, the Golden Bible of Antioch. There's only three of these in existence." And he says, "Well, two now." One was stolen at the Easter service. And it kind of sets that up like it's going to come up again. Like you're eventually going to find out who stole the third one. Yeah. It never does. So I don't know if that was, like I said, being held out for another movie or what. But um, he, uh, yeah, and then he gives him these, these, this big link of rosary beads that are shaped like coffins. It almost looks like something out of voodoo mm-hmm. um, and sends him on his way. And there, you know, he meets up, uh, he gets to uh, Mary's house and he meets up with uh, Father Lawson. Lawson. Thank you. Was it Father Lawson? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And right. I think, th- I think Father Corbin is the one you're talking about. Cause I think Father Blake is the bald guy. No, it was Corbin was the bald guy. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so, Father Blake and Father Lawson. Lawson, um, they uh, they go up and they start the rites of exorcism. Um, they start saying the Lord's prayer, you know, setting out their exorcism altar, and taking all the steps, the common steps they would take to perform an exorcism. Um, and I think I had heard somewhere that these actually are based on real exorcism rites. Like actual Catholic exorcism rites. Um, I don't know how true that is, and I don't have any way to confirm or deny it, but that's just kind of what I heard. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, so they're doing their exorcism rites, and uh, the whole time Mary is just being difficult. <laughs> <laughs> it's an understatement. She's just being condescending. Um, and talking about, you know, how, or he, she, she keeps calling Father Lawson um, a uh, adulterer. adulterer. And, you know, it's... He's like, not an adulterer. Yeah, shut up. You're an adulterer. <laughs> 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 uh, 
stupid, stupid, stupid lady. So, um, it's just funny how at first he's like mumbling it. He's like, not an adulterer. Right. Stupid. What are you talking about? <laughs> Liar. Uh, yeah. So, eventually, it, like, she keeps calling, she starts just taunting him, calling him an adulterer over and over. Yeah. And She's doing it in, like, the warrior's chant. She's like, adulterer. <laughs> it gets to a point where he just kind of loses his mind and, um, what does he do? He rips his tongue out. Right. Yeah, he reaches inside of his mouth and rips out his tongue. His own tongue. At the base. Um, and so, yeah, just just plenty of blood, which is great. Yep. Um, he just bleeds out through his mouth. Yeah. Although I found it funny that like he falls on his face and doesn't move again. But then later on, he's on his back. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice. Um. Yeah. So uh so now Father Blake's on his own. Yeah, and he's just uh you know condemning her and cursing her to hell. Um and you know, he kind of starts doing like the classic, you know, power of Christ compels you type thing and uh he actually smacks her in the face with the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, get the bitch. Um and uh I forget exactly what she says to him, but he starts to like kind of fall under her spell too. Uh, and he's trying to fight it. You know, he's trying to protect himself with the Lord's Prayer. But eventually he kind of um, loses control of himself and his face starts bubbling and boiling out. Well, before that, he rips out his own eyes. Right. Yeah. Because she starts talking about how the eyes are the window to the soul. And they reveal your sins, and she's like, "Show me your sins." Right. And he fucking rips his eyes out. Yeah. And then he's just like, he's still cognizant after that. And yeah, that's when he's like cursing her, and you know, saying, "You, it's like, why are you doing this? That that kind of thing. Why are you doing this to me?" <laughs> <laughs> um. And uh, that's when his face starts to bubble and boil, and just it just looks like. Uh, like a leper almost or yeah just just swells up to where he's like pretty much unrecognizable as a person um and it's just bloody and pussy and i know you don't watch bob's burgers but there's an episode where this guy teddy who's like their number one customer he eats something that he's allergic to and his face like puffs up that's what this guy looks like (laughs) all right um yeah. So that's kind of the end of them. <laughs> and, you know, this kind of sets a precedent uh, that I wasn't really expecting, and that they're just burning through priests. Yeah, it's just like, more priests, more priests. Yeah. So uh, we go to a bar where um, Father Corbin is sitting. He's... He looks like just like the classic burned out, lost his faith type priest. Yeah. Um, and the ordinary comes and sits with him. And he, he basically is like, you know, whatever you're going to say, I don't want to hear it. I'm, I've quit. I've, you know, I'm done with it. And I noticed he's still wearing his cassock, though. <laughs> I think, I don't think he was like, 
I don't think he'd lost his faith or anything, but he was like done with specifically exorcisms. Yeah, maybe. I guess that would probably make more sense. But you wouldn't think a priest would just be sitting in a bar. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> just drowning his sorrows, stuffing it down with brown. Right. <laughs> um, but the ordinary is like, you know, we need you. There's nobody else that can do this. We've already lost two priests. Well, because he's a war priest. He was a soldier. Right. And he's like, if I had known that I would have been turned into an exorcist, I would have stayed the atheist in the foxhole. Right. Um, he tells him, he's like, there's not many war priests left. Yeah. By the way, war priest is an awesome wrestling name. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is a guy, he's seen some shit and some stuff, uh, and he wouldn't recommend it. But he gets called into duty because he's... He's been in. He's the, the war priest. Yeah, he he. Fuck, that's good. <laughs> that's really fucking good. Um, Max, book somebody named the war priest. Uh, keep losing my train of thought. He get, the ordinary gives him the the rosaries of death, right? And the the beads are carved from the bones of the saints. Yeah, and that's kind of what separates it. Like the the. The coffin beads or the coffin rosary were used at the funerals of the saints, and these death beads were actually carved from the bones of the saints. Yes. So, um, now he, he gives gifts to all the priests involved, and I feel like none of them ever get used. Well, not only that, every time he's like, "Here, you'll need these for the ceremony." I'm like, why Why didn't you just give them all to the first guy? Yeah, he might be still alive right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, eventually you do find out why, but... Right. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how much I want to talk about here. Because, I mean, there's very little to the movie that's really a spoiler. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about what happens to to Father Corbin because it's on the cover of the movie. <laughs> well, he goes in, and he starts. You know, he seems to have the most success. Yeah. Well, so we thought. Well, I mean, relatively. Yeah. He goes in, and you know, we think he's gonna be like the badass hero. You know. Like, yeah, he walks in. He's all cocksure, saying the Lord's prayer over and over, lighting all these candles. Yeah, and you know, he seems like he's just like really fired up and gung ho. He's just. Like, he's going to kick this demon's ass. I love how he goes, uh, he? I hate to be presumptuous, but where did they leave off? Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's asking this of Mary, who is possessed right. by a demon. <laughs> um, yeah, so he goes in and he starts, you know, doing his shtick. And it all seems to be going the way we kind of think it's going to, presuming he's like the hero. But then, no. Yeah, whatever she's possessed by is fucking strong. Yeah, I mean, you, we don't really get the impression that it's necessarily like the devil, but th if it's not the devil, it is a really fucking powerful demon. Yeah, because it can basically make these priests do whatever it wants. Right. You know, these guys who... Although, you know, something I've noticed, or something I noticed is that all of these priests that get involved have some kind of fracture to their... their their uh, faith and their spirit or uh, their soul. Yeah. Um, they're not whole. They're not pure. It's true. Um, 
which you know if you think of something like uh like the exorcist or um you know the exorcism of emily rose or something like that none of these priests are really like you know clean yeah let's go do some exercising right <laughs> um and I think that's kind of like the 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 business of being an exorcist is like you see some shit that you wish yeah it you takes could its toll I'm sure, um, but you know uh, Father Corbin he he's doing his exorcism rites and eventually uh, Mary takes hold of him and he he seems to be fighting it till the end. But he ends up slitting his own wrist. Yeah, he starts talking about baptizing her. So you're like, oh, he's he's fighting it and he's going to baptize her in holy water or something and yeah. cleanse the spirit. And then, yeah, he cuts his wrists and just baptizes her in blood. Yeah. And it's kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. She's like, uh, I'm very confused by this. Cause, yeah, because she's getting off on it. Right. Yeah, like I was out here watching it and she's in, she was back in bed still. And I'm like worried that... She's going to hear, start hearing Mary's fuck sounds. <laughs> See, my girlfriend was, uh, she was, oh, she was getting her hair cut. Mm. And so I'm watching it, like the whole movie. I have my hand on the button, just like waiting for her to come in so I can pause it and be like, don't come in here. <laughs> <laughs> don't come in. Don't look at me. Nobody look. Because she would freak the fuck out if she saw that movie. That's right. She's Catholic. She is Catholic. And she also hates gore. <laughs> Good thing she found you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what Paul Abdul says. Opposites tracked. Straight up now tell me. <laughs> this is a different song. This is the one with the cat. <laughs> rush, rush. No. The one with the cat. Cold-hearted snake. Shut up. Why do you why do you know so many Paul Abdul songs? Uh, because I grew up in the early 90s. <laughs> I'm not drunk, you're drunk. I'm just really tired. I'm just exhausted. Uh yeah. Anyway, so, so next priest. Yeah, Corbin's dead. And you know, if you look at like the poster and the marketing for this movie, you th- like I said, you think he's gonna be like the badass hero that's gonna save the day. Yeah, uh, you like know. I mean, on the poster you can see that his his uh, wrists are slit, but he's still like he's standing over her and it looks like he's taking control. Yeah, even when he's like bleeding out, I'm still like, but I mean, he's gonna he's gonna exercise her, right? Yeah, <laughs> like I was, is this part of it? <laughs> I mean, he, he's bleeding a lot, but he's going to be okay. <laughs> um, but then he's dead. Yep. Oh, and I forgot. He comes in. When he first comes in, he like, you know, he's just, he's lighting all these candles and just pretty much ignoring Mary's taunts. Where it's just like, yeah, he's guy's a fucking badass. <laughs> Fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Bitches don't mean shit. Um, and, uh. Yeah, so he comes in and he sees Father Lawson dead on the ground. Um, and then he's like, Father Blake is still like over sitting in the corner, just moaning. Yeah, gasping for air. Like you can't make out his face, but he's just sitting there moaning. And he picks up this, or Father Corbin picks up this crucifix that like unsheathes to a knife and just like, not just slits his throat, like almost cuts his I thought his he was trying off. to cut his head off. Yeah. It's like, is he going to use it like as a part of the exorcism? That's or what something? I thought. 
It's like, because I mean, I'm not Catholic, but I don't think that's part of the exorcism. <laughs> it's like she's not Medusa. <laughs> or he's not Medusa. Um, but yeah, so that brings in, was it Father? Um, Powell. Powell, thank you. Um, who is now the fourth priest to be involved with this. Uh, the ordinary picks him up outside of his church and... Um, says, you know, that last exorcism that you did, or he, he says that last exorcism I did, um, you know, basically killed my soul. My, my soul is broken and, and you know, missing. Um, uh, and he says, well, that church, that wasn't sanctioned by the church. So kinda, that was your own fault. Yeah. You kind of got what you deserved. Uh, but he says, you know, we need you now we have, and you're just the person that, that we need to do it. Um, so he sends him in and like, uh, is that kind of where I should stop? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, we're four priests deep now and shit just keeps getting crazy. Um, and fuck, man, Mary just keeps getting worse. Yep. Like, you know, you think of like Reagan and the exorcist, how her face just keeps getting more and more fucked up. Just keeps getting greener you know more more of a like greenish pale complexion you know more and more open wounds on her face and just keeps getting grosser and grosser mary was on a different level <laughs> yeah and that like her face didn't have like a bunch of open wounds like like someone like reagan did but she just keeps looking more and more like death not necessarily like she's possessed just like a rotting corpse. And we have to talk about the scene where she pukes her guts out. Yeah. Like literally. Yeah. She she literally pukes out all of her internal organs. And then swallows them again. Right. She says, I'm going to need those. <laughs> swallows them. I wanted to throw up. It was pretty awful. And I, the worst part is that I feel like Cameron was about to throw up the entire time because her eyes were teary. Yeah, and yeah. she was like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, man, those are some real gags. Like that, that's that's hardcore. Yeah, that that scene was hard to watch, and it just kept going. I mean, that's the kind of shit I pay to see. <laughs> but even that was rough. That was hard. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's an independent movie. You know, low, you know, relatively low budget. It's not like a, it's not have like a big blockbuster uh, budget, obviously. Um, but you can tell probably a lot of their budget went into these effects. Mm -hmm. um, and they were just gross. They were gruesome. Um, I mean, you know. I think just in the special effects world, if you can't make these like super high tier effects, especially like internal organs, stuff like that, just throw in some blood and it does the work for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was so much blood. I mean, if you just want like a, you know, a kidney, let's say, just take a chicken cutlet, cover it in fake blood. Yeah. No one's going to know the difference. Nope. Um, but yeah, she starts throwing up her, her, her intestines, intestines, her liver. Uh, a lung, I think. And it, it looked like they were like rubber or something that they could like fold up mm -hmm. and just shove in her mouth. Yeah. 
Because when they would pop out, they would like pop open. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe like foam. Like, because, you know, like, like you think of like a like a magician. What a magician will make you like say, "Hey, here's a here's one ball. Let me put it in your hand. Now open your hand. You got oh, two balls. Oh yeah, like that kind of foam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have been that. I I don't know. Um, but yeah. So I mean, even though they weren't like like I said super high tier effects, they did their work. They were effective. And, oh for sure. Fucking gross out. Um and uh, yeah, I just loved all the blood. Uh, Mary looked awesome. Uh, and Cameron did a really great job of, um, being just that arrogant asshole demon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen her in a handful of movies now. I mean, aside from her own, uh, and, you know, in truth or dare, I feel like this is probably her best work. I agree. Um, I feel like her her style of acting really lends itself well to this role. Yeah. Um, they didn't yeah. go like super over the top with like the effects on her voice either. Mm-hmm. Like at times it would have like an echo or something, but most of the time it wasn't super over the top. Yeah. And um, that's one thing that drives me crazy about exorcism or possession movies is so many times they put so much effects on the voice. I'm like, wait, what did he say? Right. Yeah. Uh, Oh, and her eyes. Those are fucking oh, yeah. weird. There's I mean, a couple different eyes that she had. Yeah, it starts out where, I mean, she's just got her regular eyes at points. But then she'll like have like the, what look like, like goat eyes. Or yeah, where like the sire is, yeah. Uh, and then at, you know, as uh, later in the movie, she's got these eyes where they have like three irises in them. Mm-hmm. Those are and they're all yellow. Up. Yeah. Those are fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Like if I woke up and saw somebody looking at me with those eyes, I could shit myself. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I have I haven't seen. I think there's one other American guinea pig. There's two others. Is there two others? Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen any of the others, but there's a bouquet of blood and guts, and then the. There's flowers of flesh and blood. Okay. Are those kind of the same thing? <laughs> yes. I think the flowers came first and then it blossomed into a bouquet. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'll give a lot of credit to, to Biro. He, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> is imaginative the right word? <laughs> <laughs> fucked up. It's definitely fucked up. Um, devoid of conscience maybe (laughs) i just wish that there had been a little more to mary as a person yeah i wish we could have gotten to know that character a little more because then we would have been more uh uh empathetic Mm -hmm. yeah i think if you look like uh, specifically specifically at the exorcist you know you get to know reagan and and her mom before everything goes south so you you can identify with these characters and you you feel this empathy and uh and support for them and there's not really any of that like you said as soon as the movie starts she's already possessed right and you 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 know you see her like at her family therapist and she kind of goes in and out of it mm-hmm. and that's about as much as we get of of mary and not the demon yeah yeah i mean 
yeah, like and even even then, she's at that point, she's already possessed, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> like she's just saying these fucked up things. Like basically, she's implying that she was a, a demon that was present at like at Babylon, and yeah, know, and um, her, but she's is, presenting it like it was a nightmare. But like her eyes are changing and stuff, so right. it's all fucked up. Yeah, and like this this guy who's he's just a family counselor. Yeah, he's like, I am not prepared for this. He's like, I can't handle this. <laughs> um uh, was there anything else I want to add? Um I think I mean just really good work all around, I think. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean I agree with you that it might be nice to see like Mary more human. Um, but yeah, just to get, get a feel for the character before she turns into a crazy sure. bitch. I mean, I can understand the, the motivation that you want to just kind of start midstream. I mean, I like a lot of superhero movies do that nowadays. Yeah. And like I said, from what I've read, that's the, the theme of the Guinea pig series is that it's just, you know, not, not a whole lot of story going on, but just, Focusing so much on blood and guts. Yeah. And this story was so devoid of hope that it's like, like a lot of movies like this, you kind of hope for a happy ending. Like The Exorcist, you know, it was kind of a dark ending, but, you know, Reagan was ultimately exercised and, mm-hmm. and you know, she was saved, even though Father uh, Father Marin and Father Dyer were both dead. Um and, uh, but this is just like no hope, like right from the beginning, especially, like I said, when Father Corbin, who you think is going to be like the knight in shining armor, is just dead. It's almost like in Feast. Right. When, yes. When, uh, McSteamy shows up <laughs> and it's like, you know, the hero and then he dies instantly. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I love that. I love that when a movie just says, no, this movie, is going to be a shit show, but like a good shit show, like the <laughs> kind of shit show you want to see. Right. Um, yeah. So yes, I appreciate this movie and everything it was trying to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it accomplished everything it wanted to for sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's gross. It's bloody. It's, you know, it's got tons of gore, and it's it's scary. You it know? Is, it's really creepy. Um, I don't. I mean, I I wouldn't put it on like a tier with with like The Exorcist. No, The Exorcist is kind of in a world its own. But this is definitely something to like. Like you said, it's so devoid of hope that it's just like it just makes you feel like. Every time there's a new priest, you're like, yeah, well, how's this fucker going to get it? You know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked to see what it could have done with maybe a little extra mu- budget. Sure. But, you know, I guess I could ask that about any movie. That's true. Except for, like, I don't know, the Avengers or something. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I think that's about all I have to say. Yeah, I think I think that's it. So what do you think? I think seven. I'm thinking that too. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh there's I mean, you know, when there's not much that you would change about a movie, you know you've got something uh I mean you've you've got something put together 
uh, just the way that it should have been. Like, th- if you changed anything, and I know I just said maybe if it had a little more budget, but I guess I'm kind of overriding that. But it's like if there are certain things where if you change anything, then the whole thing kind of falls apart. Yeah. I feel like this whole thing worked really well. And I mean, you know, it's like Chris Peckover said when he was on the show that if someone's biggest complaint is that they want more of something, then you did something right. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. Like I said, my biggest complaint is that I would have liked to have seen more of Mary as a person. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll tell you what this movie did do was now I'm going to go seek out those other American guinea pig movies, and I'm going to be on the lookout for the next ones. So Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, well done to everyone involved. Quite. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about a new movie from the makers of Turbo Kid, Summer of 84. The sheriff's office reports they're likely looking for a white male. Preferred targets appear to be males aged 12 to 16. It's a serial killer. The Cape May Chronicle received a letter from an individual calling themselves the Cape May Slayer. There's a serial killer on the loose. What else could possibly be this exciting? Incoming titties. 12 o'clock. Guys, Nikki Keshuba. Scientifically the perfect woman. Huh view of my room than I thought. Sweet dreams. Emergency meeting. Treehouse. Now, Mackie is the Cape May Slayer. Mackie's a cop with a sick reputation. Isn't counting on us. That's blood. David. Hey. Guys, I'm freaking out, okay? Relax. You look like you're 30. It's gonna be fine. Now go. You're gonna get caught either by Mackie or your dad. I know. I'm right about it. That doesn't prove anything. Are you with me? I don't want anything bad to happen to you. We're trying to save people. Yeah, well, you're not. Guys on station are going to love this. <laughs> Just let it go. Sorry again that you're uh, grounded. Let's see if I can get you out of this house. No hard feelings. You were wrong. You were wrong about everything. Serial killers live next door to somebody. Tony, did you watch Turbo Kid? I didn't watch Turbo God Kid. God damn it! All I right. got a lot of things going on. Well, I got a lot of balls in the air. <laughs> All those balls in the air. All right, so summer of '84. Keep those balls in the air, yeah. You done? Go ahead. Summer of '84 uh, is a story of little town suburbia of Ipswich, Oregon. Is that a real town? I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, in get this, the summer of 1984. Hey, so it's not just a clever name. <laughs> uh, we're introduced to our hero, Davy Armstrong. I don't know, Davy. <laughs> and he. Tells us right away what's going to happen because he does this monologue, this voiceover where he's talking about how, you know, even a serial killer lives next door to somebody and starts talking about how, you know, pretty insightful. Yeah. He's talking about, you know, the craziest shit happens in the suburbs. There's an Ipswich in Massachusetts. I knew that. And San Diego. Not San Diego. (laughs) 
San Diego is South a city. Dakota. <laughs> and it looks like there's one in the UK somewhere. So not in Oregon. Does not appear so. All right. And what's the, what's the bay they could something bay? Bay. There was yeah, there was the the region was called something bay. Beyonce? Yep, Beyonce. Beyonce Bay. <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> Fuck me, right? <laughs> um God damn it. Well, anyway, uh, so th- you find out there's this serial killer who is called the Something Base Layer. <laughs> oh, I see what you're going for. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't didn't commit it to memory. Um, I actually got my girlfriend to sit down and watch this for a little bit. So I was like, you, you know, you might you might like this. It's kind of like Goonies. And then she saw Ipswich and she was like, oh, is this in Massachusetts? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, in Oregon. She's like, oh, so they're going full Goonies then. <laughs> well, I think this was filmed in BC. It is filmed in BC. You're you know, correct. You, I feel like when you film a movie in BC, out in the rural rural area, um, you can't say it's like Seattle because nobody will buy it. Well, yeah. Although Seattle was pretty rural in the 80s. If you watch like Harry and the Andersons. That's true. Anyway, so yeah, you just put it in Oregon. Nobody gives a fuck because nobody knows Oregon, especially if you make up a town, right? <laughs> Although, like, Why can't I know when everything I sucks. Uh, boring is actually a town. That's a real Oregon. place. Yeah, I've never actually been there, but I've seen the sign as I walk through, or <laughs> walk through. So you have been there <laughs> <laughs> when I drive through. <laughs> um, God, I can't remember the name of that fucking bay. <laughs> is it important? Kind of. Is it? Because the name of the killer is the something base layer. Just call him the Slayer and we'll call it good. All right, the base layer. Um But so yeah, there's and but uh Davy is this conspiracy theorist. He's got all these newspapers plastered all over his wall that look like they're basically a ripoff of the weekly world news. Mm-hmm. And so his friends, uh Eats, Woody, uh Faraday, and I guess that's it. Um you know, they're, they're this little motley crew of people that you wonder how they became friends. Right. Other than I guess they just all live in the same cul-de-sac. Yeah. Those are kind of like your built-in friends when you're a kid. Yeah. But so they're, you know, concerned about this base layer because he's killing kids mostly in what I think is just 10 to 15 or something was the age range. Yeah, something like that. And I mean, at least Davey is 15. We don't really know how old any of the other ones are. They don't go into it, but you got to assume they're... Around the same age. Mm-hmm. They start thinking that uh, their neighbor, Mr. Mackey, played by Rich Sommer, mm-hmm. who who always plays just a prick. Or he's in Mad Men. He was a prick in Mad Men, too. It's true, he was. And he was a prick on Glow. That's what he was in. I was thinking it was uh, Love. Wait, no, he, he was in Love. Was he a prick? Yeah. See? He's always a prick. He's just really good at it, I guess. I guess. I didn't have him pegged as a serial killer, though. So when I saw that he was like the primary suspect, I was just like, huh. Oh. <laughs> okay. But he is a police officer. 
So everyone is just like, you know, you're Davy's the one that says, you know, I think he's the what what initially makes him suspect Mackie? Um I mean, so the kids have been disappearing. Uh I don't know with what consistency, but kids have been disappearing and then at one point he sees a kid in his house talking to him and then I think it's like the next day he sees uh a kid that looks almost exactly alike on the milk carton. Yeah. So yeah, they play this game called Manhunt, which is basically like a big game of flashlight tag. Right. And so he was hiding and he, yeah, he's looked in uh, Mr. Mackey's window and saw him talking to this kid. I feel like he was already suspicious of him at that point. Uh, no, I don't think so. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, so he tells his friends, he's like, hey, I think that uh, Mackey is the, the base layer. And they're all like, well, he's a cop. And he's like, yeah, exactly. It's the perfect cover. Like, he could cover up all the evidence and whatnot. Mm-hmm. He's not wrong. Yeah. But so they start doing all these stakeouts and, um, you know, they, they follow him to this um, uh, storage locker mm-hmm. where he's got a, a secret car. And then, like, they dig up his garden because they see him digging it up in his garden and they think that he's hiding bodies back there. Yeah, he's just, he buys... Like hundreds of pounds of dirt every every week, week. yeah. And he just says he's he's tilling his tilling his garden, um, and uh, yeah. So that's just weird. Yeah. And then they find like in, when he's in his storage unit, uh, he's got this car. He's got a bunch of bags of soil, and then he's also got a big bag of lye. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. Yeah, so they're kind of like staking him out, and it's a little, uh, it feels a lot like the burbs. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, it does feel very Goonies and very Stranger Things, mostly because, you know, it's these kids in the 80s, and it's just kind of the, the motif. Right. Um, yeah, I'm just realizing there's not a lot of story here. Not really. I mean, it's just kind of a cat and mouse type thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, the kids, like, so, I mean, Davey, he's basically, he's convinced just based on what he's seen, but not only is he trying to track down evidence that the Mr. Mackey's the killer, he's also trying to convince his friends almost the entire time. Right. So he's kind of playing, you know, doing double duty. Um, <laughs> duty. Boop. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so he's just he's dealing with that pretty much the entire movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then like finally they they feel like they have enough evidence to go to his parents, and his parents, his dad is just like, "You little piece of shit!" <laughs> like his dad is just a complete asshole. <laughs> you little butt nugget. <laughs> and he like drags him over there and makes him apologize. Yeah, his dad was. I've seen his dad and stuff before. I can't think of what what it was. I see, you know, I thought I recognized him, but I think it was the beard was thrown. Oh, he's in Psych. Who was he in Psych? No, sorry, Monk. Oh, I didn't watch Monk. You didn't watch Monk? No. You asshole. He was in Bones. Dude, how about Eats though? How about him? 
The guy was hilarious. <laughs> he kept telling Woody that he's fucking his mom. And yeah. that, like everybody knew a guy like that. <laughs> and he was fucking on point. Every opportunity to tell him that he was fucking his mom. <laughs> he's like, because uh, at one point, Davey, because they, they've all got walkie talkies, which is pretty familiar for any, like if you were a kid in the 80s, chances are you and your gang of friends had walkie talkies. Pretty much any 80s kids movie or movie that takes place in the 80s. They've all got walkie-talkies, Stranger Things. Yep. Uh, um, and so he buzzes his friends at like one in the morning. And, and Woody's like, dude, be quiet. You're going to wake up my mom. <laughs> Eats is like... After the pounding like, I the gave pounding her. I gave to her. And what's funny is Woody is enormous. Yeah. Like he could beat the shit out of Eats if he right. wanted to. At one point, they they take his mom's car, and Woody's like suit like he's he's the big guy, but he's also like the nervous guy. Yeah. So he's like, uh, they take his mom's car, and he's super worried that they're gonna get in trouble. And he's like, "Why do I have to? Or why do I have to drive?" And they're like, "Because you look like you're 30. <laughs> uh, did you ever have? They all seem to call them call each other by the last name. Uh, like you know, eats except for Davy, except for Davy. But you know, eats his last name is Eaton. Yeah, Woody his last name's Woodworth, and you know they call the other guy Faraday. It's like, did you do that with your friends when you were a kid? Not at that age. When I was older and started playing sports, yeah, yeah. See, like guys I played sports with, yeah, I called them by their last name. Yeah, but even like, even at that age. I it was only the people I played sports with, like my my outside sports friends. I didn't, I didn't call them by their last names. Yeah, unless they had like a funny last name. Sure. Like I had a friend whose last name her 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 name was Jennifer Frank, and I just called her Frank because it was funny because she was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my brother had a friend named uh, Frankie. Call her Franklin. Frank Balls. Frank Balls. <laughs> um, <laughs> he always said her f- full name was Franklin Delano Balsack. <laughs> you were clever. Huh? You were clever. That wasn't me. That was, him. That was my brother. Oh, well, he was clever. <laughs> he was He was pretty clever. <laughs> to his credit. Um, so Mackie starts figuring out what they're up to. They uh they plant a GI Joe walkie-talkie on his house so they can hear him, and then like Davy's rear windowing him, yeah. And he sees um, Mackie looking back at him, and so he ducks down. And when he looks again, the walkie-talkie is sitting on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. And that's really the first moment that I was just like, "Oh shit, he's in trouble. Shit's gonna start going down." And it does. And the end of this movie gets f- fucking dark. Yeah, man, the fucking end was just like, what? Yeah, my girlfriend got mad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she was in here doing something. I I can't remember, but I was in there. She had watched about three quarters of the movie with me. Of course, I don't really know how much she was paying attention. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about banging each other's moms. Huh? Oh, right. She was taking pictures of pants. Oh, okay. No explanation Naturally. for that. <laughs> Who doesn't? 
<laughs> Who doesn't spend their Saturday nights taking pictures of pants? <laughs> We're never going on vacation again. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm going to have to stop having off my camera uh, conversations. conversations with my wife. Um, lost my train of thought now. We're talking about how dark the ending was. Yeah. So I was in there watching it and I was like telling her what happened. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I know, it's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, Lynn was like, oh, I thought it was going to be all like fun and goonies. And then all of a sudden this shit happened. <laughs> and that's like most of it was. Most of it was just like kind of a childish romp. Yeah. I but- mean, it's it's not super horror-ish. It's more of a thriller um, until the end. And then the end just gets, like I said, fucking dark. The and end crazy. just falls apart. It's just like, oh my God, I'm super depressed now. But it's awesome. It was pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I know that it's not fair to watch every movie these people make and be like, I want this to be Turbo Kid. Because <laughs> um, Turbo Kid is, like, so over-the-top gory and awesome. And this one is, you know, much more grounded. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, the end is is super dark. And it's, you know, it's not incredibly gory, but there is a little bit of blood and Guts yeah. going on. And uh Yeah, it's a little fucked up. It's super fucked it's, up. Yeah. What the hell, man? <laughs> Ellie, I wish we could talk about what happens, but I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. What a fucking nightmare. They left it open for a sequel. Yeah. I don't know if that's in the cards, but I mean definitely seemed like they were thinking about it. Honestly, I'd rather not see a sequel. Yeah. I think that I think that ending should just stand on its own. True. Yeah. Cause then it just stays fucked up. It's just out there. It's depressing. Yeah. I wish we could talk about it, but it's just whew. Yeah. I mean it's chilling. <laughs> now you have to go watch it. Yeah. So you know and what you we're should. talking about. I recommend it. Yeah, definitely. Uh I mean it's uh it's for rent on pretty much all the VOD outlets, I believe. It's not on Google Play. It's not? No. Oh, it was on Amazon. It's on PlayStation. It's on Vudu. Yeah, those are the only places I saw it. I heard it's on you on iTunes, but I don't... I didn't look. I didn't. Uh, but... Whew. It's only four bucks, too. Yeah. Although... Wait, was it four bucks? No, it was... I paid... Paid five bucks. Oh, it's three ninety nine on Voodoo. Was it? Yep. Because yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not Turbo Kid. <laughs> if you're expecting something as over the top as Turbo Kid, it's definitely not that. It's much more grounded in reality. I wouldn't know because I haven't seen Turbo Kid. I know, but you should. Maybe I'll just never watch it just to spite you. Yeah, well, that's your loss. Is it? Yeah, it is. Because I think I'm all right not having seen it. No, you're not. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, but it's good. It's it's uh, it's an entertaining movie. Like I said, it's much more of a thriller for most of it. But then the end just gets super dark and creepy and fucked up. Yeah. And it's like, you know, say the end, it's seriously like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. It's like up to that point. That... I think that's why it was such a shock and why it was so fucking crazy. Well, they keep giving you these like 
little hints where you're like, I mean, it's definitely this guy. But then like something will help you and be like, oh, maybe it's not. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, up to that point, it's fairly lighthearted considering this, the the uh, subject matter. Yeah. But it gets to a point where it's just like you think, okay, well, how do our heroes get out of this next death-defying situation? Right. And then it's just like, oh, boy. <laughs> and ser- like seriously, this is the last 10 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, even if you don't like the rest of the movie, I think the ten min- last 10 minutes makes up for it. Yeah. Because it's just... Yeah, I like was starting to get a little bored. Bonkers. And then, like I said, at that part where he put the, the walkie-talkie on the window, that's when I was like, oh, shit. It's about to go down. Yeah. Anyway, is that it? I think so. Uh, you having fun? <laughs> Sound is a fun thing. Um, give it a seven. Yeah, seven. Just seven happy today. Just all the sevens. Lucky number seven. Cool. Well, that was fun. That was fun. What a joy. Hey. What a joy. Good times. What a good time it is for you every time you get to sit here with me. Sure. (laughs) Anyway, that's going to do it, guys. That's the end of the episode. Are you sad? So sad. They're sad. I'm always sad. Listeners, very sad. Always sad when I have... Sad. So sad. You know, if you didn't listen to this episode all the way through, you're very sad right now. Just sadness all the way around. If they didn't if they didn't listen all the way through, then they're not even hearing this, so... Fuck them. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to be back again in a couple weeks with a brand new episode. Yes, sir. But in the meantime, Taylor... Where can they find us? Uh, they can find us at greatplotpodcast.com. We're on all the major podcast uh, outlets, except Spotify. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast. Check out our Facebook group, The Graveyard. We're on Twitter as Grave underscore plot. And of course, patreon.com slash greatplotpodcast if you would like exclusive content and to help support the show monetarily. Yeah, and don't forget graveplotfilmfest.com. Uh, can they submit through there or do they have to go? Uh, there's a link to the film freeway. Page. Okay. Um, but go check it out. Uh, we've got a lot of great submissions coming in. Uh, and you could be a winner if you have a decent horror short. Yeah. I mean, you can't just say, Hey, here's my movie and win. That's not how it works. <laughs> here's my movie money, please. <laughs> <coughs> but if you have, if you or any of your friends are filmmakers and would like to make a 15 minute or less, uh, horror short, Get it done. Send it into us, and we'll take a look at it. Yeah. Right. Um. Did you talk about the Indiegogo? Not since the beginning of the episode. Indiegogo. Igg. Me slash at slash gpff. Is there going to be an easier link on the Film Fest website? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Greatbloodfilmfest.com. Uh. So check us out there, guys. Um. Two weeks, we're going to be talking about another wolf cop and what else? Bloodfest. Right. So, catch up us. Catch up. Catch up. Catch up. Catch up. Catch up. Catch up.
Are you here to solve my ketchup problem? <laughs> but I'm shopping. <laughs> Drums, please. All right, guys. Catch up with us. <laughs> Damn it. Catch up with us then. Till next time, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. <laughs> this is a fucking joke. Where we're all a little dead inside. Here it is, a groove slightly transformed. Just a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix. And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back, cause it's summertime. Checking out the fellas to tell them who's best Riding around in your Jeep or your Benzos Or in your Nissan sitting on Lorenzo's Back in Philly we be out in the park A place called the Plateau is where everybody go Guys out hunting and girls doing likewise Honking at the honey in front of you with the light eyes She turn around to see what you beeping at It's like the summer's a natural aphrodisiac And with a pen and pad I compose this rhyme To hit you and to get you equipped for the summertime